Well, we are continuing our, our prophetic update. Again, in Sunday school, we gave the, the biblical uh, uh, framework of, of God's program for future events. And we spoke about the fact that the, the next great event will be the rapture, and following the rapture will, will be a time of seven years of tribulation, beginning with the Antichrist who come establish a peace covenant on earth. At the midpoint of that seven years, the abomination of desolation will be a time of great uh, trial and testing for seven years, and then the return of Christ to establish his kingdom. What we're going to do in, in our time together, and I'll just mention again, after this time we have a meal, a fellowship after this first service, so to give us strength to get into the next service together and finish off, uh, there's a meal, there's plenty of food for everybody, we'll be right there in the fellowship hall. And so, um, but what we're doing in these two sessions now is, is looking at the news of, of the previous year. Uh, and, and saying, what are some of the events that, that show, that are consistent with what the Bible says of the end times? I'm not going to be saying, I'm not, we're not going to be setting a date. Though I can say quite emphatically that the return of Christ is indeed a year closer than it was last year. So with that, I've set my date. <laughs> but, but, there was, but, but rather what we're going to say is, the, if, if we see what the Bible says will be going on in the end times, what are trends that show a direction towards that, an openness toward that? And so uh, I've been, all through the year I, I, I watch the news and try to gather. And I'll be, and as I mentioned, I think, earlier, um, I have about 200 pages of notes, um, of, which is where I've just copied out article after article. This is really only a sampling. This is not, a, this is just to give you a picture of some of these events. Um, <coughs> One of the questions might be, so is this, is this just to satisfy our curiosity? No, no, not at all. In fact, I'd like to read a verse or two as we begin, just to kind of help us remember what we're doing. I'm thinking of 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. See, biblical prophecy has a tendency to give us a sense of expectancy, and I think what, partly that will give us a warning to recognize trends in our day that are not a sign of goodness, but also a reminder Christ could return at any moment. Am I ready to meet him? So with that in mind, let's begin. Um, key passage is Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 to 33. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it's near. It is at the door. In verse 36, but at that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And so just even Jesus was saying, you should be able to read the signs, and it should make us sensitive. Uh, the first thing I'd like to put in my outline, oh, and I'll mention you have an outline in your bulletin that has two things on the front, the, and this, this is terrifying, a 14-point sermon. 
Um, but there it is. Those are, so those are kind of the outlines. On the back is, for your own benefit, just a quick summary from Dr. S. Lewis Johnson uh, summarizing the end time events in, in, in one page. That might be helpful to you. But the first thing, uh, you know, the, the tribulation begins after the rapture. They'll, they'll begin with the, the, this person called the Antichrist establishing a peace in the Middle East. And, and what I say here, there hasn't been much activity about this this year. Um, in the previous year, in the previous years, we could point to the incredible uh, Abraham Accords. I mean, things happened there that were unheard of. The, the U.S. Capitol had been promised uh, for, for several presidents, kept saying, yes, we will keep the promise to move the U.S. Capitol to Jerusalem. And they kept saying, but not yet, not yet, not yet. Uh, under the Trump administration, the, the, the capital, the U.S. Capitol was moved to Jerusalem. The Abraham Accords were established where, where relationships were established between uh, Israel and some of their Arabic neighbors. It was just, it was mind-boggling. Uh, and really, it's only a matter of um, political issues that uh, President Trump didn't get the Nobel Peace Prize for that. It was just stunning what was accomplished. But since that time, there's been, been just been silence uh, as far as Middle East peace. Uh, if it, there's rumblings of the need for that peace, but there's not really been any real efforts uh, to to go forward in peace uh, in this year. And that that in itself is shows. Um, we're, the world is stymied. And when this world character comes along and, and figures out how to make world peace, the world will stand up and take a, pay attention about the Middle East peace. Well, part of the whole tribulation in that Middle East peace will relate to the temple. Um, and we see in, in, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, speaks of that. Uh, Matthew 24, 15, 2 Thessalonians 2. Matthew 24, 15 says, when you see, Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel in the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads this, let him understand. Now Jesus right there is saying, in the end times, as before the return of Christ, you will see the abomination in the holy place, in the temple. That means there needs to be a temple. And so the temple will be rebuilt. It was destroyed in A.D. 70. There hasn't been a temple for 2,000 years. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4 says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come, the, the return of Christ, unless the falling away first comes, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God. The Antichrist will sit himself up to be worshipped in the temple of God. That's only one place that temple can be, Jerusalem. And so the question is, is there um, new evidence uh, of the Jewish temple? And that just reminds me. Okay, the first uh, article is there new evidence of Jewish temple 
treasures in the Vatican. This article was interesting to me that I saw this year. Um, it was in February when the article was published. And the, what it's saying is there's a growing body of evidence that the treasures taken out of the temple by Rome's troops in AD 70 are stored in a museum, uh, in the Vatican Museum. And uh, this, the, the one writing this has, is aware of people who are alive today who have been into that area and have seen some of the things, including the menorah. And so over history, there have been statements of this, but there are those who have, by one reason or another, actually had access to this very um, secluded, isolated, and secure part of the Vatican treasures and seen artifacts from the Second Temple that were destroyed in AD 70. Again, what happened was the Romans took all those things. Well, the, the church, the Roman Catholic Church, became a part of that and um, has those treasures, apparently. And so you can imagine if there's going to be a, that would help in, in, in terms of a building of a temple. And what this article is reading is, so how do we go forward as far as negotiating, um, re, re, uh, returning those objects? And part of the question is, um, apparently the Vatican has made some statements, but their items were returned to, to the rightful uh, person. Well, who's that going to be? And they don't recognize Israel. Could be tricky. But anyway, there's an article right there about the uh, temple treasures uh, there in the Vatican. Um, further, article, uh, then the another article is Hamas is threatening Israel over a, um, over what happened recently. Uh, there, people in Israel wanted to have a Passover a sacrifice on the Temple Mount. And Hamas uh, is threatening war over that. In other words, you will, uh, some in Israel want to see the Temple restored. And part of that is you don't need the Temple to offer the Passover sacrifice. As they say, all you need is a pile of stones. That's, that's a little indelicate way of describing the altar, but all you need are some stones because uh, the, the sacrifice is offered outside the Temple. And so what they have been doing is having some practice sacrifices in Israel. Um, but, but just the idea that they want it is causing Hamas to, to threaten war. The third is, does the arrival of five red heifers in Israel signal a third temple end times? And again, that's an article uh, from Israel. What's that talking about? Well, the Bible says that for the priests to serve in the temple, they have to be sanctified by special holy water sprinkled on them. And that holy water must have in it ashes from a red heifer. Um, and the, the requirements of the red heifer are such that it has to be in, a heifer that's entirely red. And when, when they say entirely, there cannot be one white hair, one black hair. And it cannot have any, it, it, can, it cannot uh, have ever pulled a load, it cannot... Uh, have it must it may not have a scar may not have a blemish, and they've been looking and looking. Apparently, I think there have been ten, uh, you know, nine or ten red heifers in the history of Israel that have been used. So they've been looking. Well, this year, five red heifers that passed rabbinic inspection were flown to Israel from Texas. And I kind of think that's appropriate. From the Holy Land to the Holy Land. 
and so that's, you know, so I think the temple may be, I was going to say built in Austin, that would be most unlikely, uh, but uh, maybe, maybe in Palestine. Uh, but anyway, uh, so, but these heifers are there. They're not quite a year old. They have to be two years old. But several months old, and they are not, there's not one white hair, not one black hair, and you can imagine they're in special care. Uh, I want to show you a video about that. So let's, if you click one more time, you'll see that video. These are the red heifers that landed at Israel's Ben-Gurion Airport. Rabbis believe the ashes of a red heifer are necessary for purifying priests to serve in a future temple. The heifers were discovered and brought to Israel with the help of the Bonet Israel Building Israel organization and its team leader, Byron Stinson. Rabbis from the Temple Mount Institute approached Stinson about the unique cattle. They said, Byron, could you look in Texas and find us a red heifer? I wasn't expecting that, and it was shocking to me to think about it, but I know a lot of ranchers, and I know a little bit about cattle, being from Texas, and I always say yes to these Jewish rabbis because they're my friends, and I love them, and uh, why not? This began an in-depth process of finding the rare heifer that meets key stipulations found in the Bible. The Bible gives us a clue as to the significance of the red heifers here in uh, Numbers chapter 19, verse 1 and 2, where it says that God spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, this is the ritual law that God has commanded instruct the children of Israel to bring you a red cow without blemish in which there is no defect and on which no yoke has been laid. So it says that we're supposed to take a perfectly red cow with no uh, white hairs or dark hairs at all and a cow that no yoke has ever been on. So as a result, it's very, very rare to find a baby cow that is completely red. The ashes of the red heifer would be used to purify water from the Gihon Spring in the city of David. Just a few ashes could purify thousands of gallons of water. That water can be then purified priests from any contact with a dead body so they can offer sacrifice in the temple. Some Jews go every single day to a ritual bath, to a mikvah, in order to approach God in prayer in purity. However, it is not the same because we don't have the red heifer. Once we have the red heifer, we'll be completely pure and we'll be able to rebuild the temple. The red heifer must also be two years old. These cattle are just around a year old and could qualify in just over a year. So if they're able to make it without growing the white hairs or black hairs, I think with five of them, we have a really good chance of that then they will be the first one in 2,000 years. The Jewish sage Maimonides from the 12th century said throughout the first and second temples there were nine red heifers. He said the 10th would signal the appearance of the Messiah. That's why many are excited about this arrival. Chris Mitchell, CBN News, Jerusalem. So they, they arrived in Israel in September and they, uh, I think it was 13 months before they're of proper age. You saw in the video how carefully, I mean, they're inspecting carefully one hair that isn't right, one blemish. One of the problems in, in typical raising of cattle, you know, you, uh, you, you put a tag on them for identification, also for bugs. That would, that would have disqualified them. So they have to be very careful at saying, you know, these are, are different. And so they're there. And then, so 13 months from uh, September... We're looking at October and November this year. If they continue, and when you have five of them, you only need one. 
And so um, this could be interesting. In other words, that's a, a major step in preparedness for the temple. Um, then also I want to show you this, uh, this video that, that shows, uh, uh, we've talked about in John, the, 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 uh, Jesus was part of the, and he said, I'm the, you know, the water, if any man thirsts for me, the, the water ritual we talked about. Uh, they're reenacting some of these things to get ready for when they have the temple and can complete them. Let's show this video here. Is the, show. the men in white are actually already identified with the priests who have been trained. This is down at the waters of the spring. mentioned already the wet heifer sacrifice could happen sometime this year, in 2023. Uh, Temple Mount activists petitioned Ben Gvir to permit Passover sacrifice. So there is a, a new, you know, they have a new uh, members of parliament, and Ben Gvir is uh, part of the conservative movement that was re- uh, brought in recent elections. And so activists have come to him and said, we would like you to uh, work on getting us a Passover sacrifice permit. So we want you to help work in the government to give us a permit to go up on the Temple Mount and sacrifice the Passover lamb. And um, that, of course, uh, could, would, would lead to all kinds of response. Number six is a good indicator of that in uh, this year recently. There was a wave of international criticism after National Security Minister Ben Gavir visits Flashpoint Temple Mount. Now, so he is a, an Orthodox and conservative uh, Jew. He's part of the new administration with uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. He's the, he's the minister, as you see, of national security. He has been up on the Temple Mount several times already, just personally, as a, as a Jew. And, and, but because he's now part of the government, just that he went up there and walked around brought all kinds of international up outrage, different uh, world leaders, Arab world leaders, complaining about it. And, and, and what was interesting to me is they called it a, um, a, uh, an assault, an invasion. I can't remember now the exact word, but that you know, they, they made it sound like he made a military incursion. He just walked up there and walked around. <clears throat> the uh, Palestinian Authority has accused Israel of trying to build a new temple on the Temple Mount. So, so the Palestinians are saying, you know, you Jews want to build a temple and we're going to cause a fuss about that. But again, this just shows it's, it's, it's in the air. There's a growing, uh, the, the red heifers, the, the training of the priests, the practicing of the rituals. Um, so I want to show you another, another video that's rather interesting. Um, this, they went out, and these are, are Jews, uh, asking people in Israel, you know, how will the Holy Temple change your life? 
Let's watch that. You know anything about the Holy Temple and what it means? Nope. Never heard of it? Nothing. I, don't know, I never really thought of it, I guess. That's a really loaded question, man. I mean, that's not, not like a simple question. Would it change something, I don't know, to the Jews? Of course. It's a big part of, of the Jewish religious identity, you know, having the temple, a place of worship. Because it's a redemption of our, of our culture. It's who we are as a people. It's, we're coming back to who we are. Everything, everything. <laughs> Just a dream that we have. We have to live the present and dream. If we don't have dreams, we don't have anything, right? It doesn't mean much to me as I'm not a religious person. I can't even answer that question. I can't even imagine it. it would, uh, I think everything would change. I'm not really sure that we even know this, really. I mean, it should change our whole level of consciousness of how we live our lives to have God's presence so visible and so clear. יהיו פחות טרודים, יהיו יותר נינוחים, יהיו פחות עסוקים במה חושבים עליהם. כאילו, שייבנה המקום, כולם יהיו על מקומם. נראה לי אנחנו בהפרה מוחלטת כזו, וכשייבנה המקום, אז נחזור למקומנו. שלום בין כל המדינות, אוקיי? אנחנו אומרים שהיהודים יהיו נס לגויים, זה לא מתוך התנסות, אלא כל הגויים יבינו שאלוקים הוא המלך, ויבואו והוא איתנו, אוקיי? זה הרעיון של נס לגויים, זה, זה הגאולה, לא, לאו דווקא בית המקדש. Would it affect uh, the nation or peace or something global? You would hope, um, you know, Hatikva, you're always hoping that... you know, a cooperation and working together and building something that'll last will bring peace to both nations? I mean, I would hope so, but I, I don't know if it would. It would probably take some time before uh, we can continue to establish ourselves as, as a nation that can be that, or a Lagoyim that invited to the nations. A lot happened this year, not just Mehron, a lot of things that just didn't, doesn't make sense. And I think it's a wake-up call for all of us, and um, I think hopefully it's coming soon, because I don't know how else to explain any of it. So. Everyone will be equal, and we're going to live happy in peace. The temple is going to be the greatest building in the world. It's going to be a place that will bring good to, the, to all nations. Read the Bible. It's written there. I mean, you don't have to ask me. Come on. Nobody's going to be jealous of each other. Nobody's going to be poor or stuff like that. The whole world, world is going to be very wise, very happy, very healthy. Every religion is welcome. So that's why I think that way. So you would come to the Holy Temple to pray with all the nations together? Yes, all together, all religion. It would be nice sometime in the future, maybe in Messianic times, when, uh, when everyone can pray together. We're all, we're all praying to the same gods, just uh, different, different words. The words will be one, and the gods only one. All peoples come to the one. As it is, it's my belief. We all have the same God, eventually. We all believe in the same God. All the people in the world will understand that there is one God.
כן, בית המקדש היה פותר את ה... יכול להיות מקום מרכזי שמאחד בין כל הדתות. אם היה... לא יודעת, כן, נראה לי. אין בתולדות האנושות מקום שכולם מגיעים אליו מתוך אידיליה ורואים בו כמקום של שלום. אין, אין... כל תולדות האנושות אין את זה. אז אתה בא פה עם איזשהו קונספט חדש. אם הקונספט הזה יכול לעבוד, אני הראשון קונה את הכרטיס VIP. I think you get the idea. Um, first of all, notice how no one's saying, what's the temple? They're all saying, you know, talking is that that's the hope. When, how, don't know, but that's our hope. Did you notice, too, they were talking about, and all peoples and all religions will come together. That's exactly what will happen in the tree. So they're, you know, they go on that, the light of the nations, it's a place of prayer for all peoples. They build on that and say, all these peoples are going to come together. That's exactly what the Antichrist will do. He's going to say, we're going to unite all the religions in worshiping me. But, but, you, but, but you see, it's a reality. They're looking for it. And that's, I think, important to understand. It isn't just some figment of an imagination. Uh, like the, the, some have said this whole idea of talking like this seems so bizarre. But 100 years ago, Uh, to talk about the possibility of reestablishing the nation of Israel. People laughed and mocked and said, that's not real, that's spiritual, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that, that they would once again have Jerusalem as their capital. So that's their expectation. And the Bible says it's going to come to pass. Let's go to the next thing that is part of that is this one world government. No, go back when I, I got behind myself. Um, there, some of the things that point to this idea of a one world government The Hungarian Prime Minister warns of a tyranny greater than this pandemic is coming. This, uh, the Hungarian P- Prime Minister was concerned with all that went on with the uh, COVID. So here's from the article. Now he's warning that COVID-19 pandemic was just a prelude to a serious stress test that will be coming from the United Nations and the World Economic Forum. What he's saying is um, this, this crisis led to a Uh, interventionist governmental approach, um, a worldwide governing body kind of thing. And, and he cited the UN's Agenda 2030 campaign and charged that it's nothing less than global government tyranny that enslaves all humanity. So here's the Prime Minister of Hungar- Hungary saying this, this pandemic uh, is kind of like a first step of what he fears is coming, a global worldwide government. Well, who, who knew? Uh, so, so that's someone who's in the midst of the European situation and saying that's what he sees happening. Another article here is the, the World Health Organization um, is attempting a power grab, quietly setting up a single globalized response to all future uh, pandemics is what this article is, how they label it. You know, there's, have you heard the expression, don't waste a good crisis? Uh, apparently this is this that's that's an old phrase that's been used in many a way um, here's another phrase catastrophe opens the door and so there are those that are saying you know it, it takes a catastrophe to 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 open an opportunity for change a UN report in 2021 called for more powers for the World Health Organization stating in its current form the World Health Organization does not possess such powers to move on with a treaty 
World, Horth, World Health Organization therefore needs to be empowered financially and politically. In other words, so we need to give more power to the World Health Organization for next time we have a health crisis. And so, so, so the crisis might be a health crisis that says we need a more centralized control to deal with a worldwide issue. Um, critics were slamming the uh, timing of Biden, President Biden's Ministry of Truth to police the internet for disinformation. In other words, um, home, the Homeland Se um, Security Secretary testified that a disinformation governance board had been recently created. A disinformation governance board. And many people are thinking, let me go back and reread 1984. You know, this, but this, this idea where the government is going to control disinformation. But, but the problem is, who defines disinformation? And, 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 but, and so that becomes a manner of, of world control. And in particular, this was a response to when the ownership of Twitter changed. And they want to make sure we can control disinformation. The founders of this nation you know, wanted freedom of the press and freedom of speech to be fundamental because that's how they found that true freedom and accountability of government could be accomplished. And so there's this push towards let's have a, a ministry of truth that will govern correct information to be shared. And then there's this movement called the World Government Movement. I, I, I ran into this when I was looking over this, and it's a, here's a, another slide. The World Government Movement does not believe in a conspiracy the, theory that globalists want to destroy or hurt the people of the planet because we believe Jesus Christ will return to reign over the world government. This is based on the Bible prophecy. The government will rest on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. The government will rest upon Jesus' shoulders. Well, that sounds good. Join the world government movement if you believe that we can create, if Sadjuru will reign over the earth, over the world government to create heaven on earth. And they, to prove that this fella is the Jesus to reign over the world, they quote Revelation 1.14, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like the flame of fire. So it's because this man has white hair, he's obviously qualified to fulfill the prophecy. You're not writing that down. <laughs> but but, but notice, notice, so here's a group that is uh, saying we need a one world government. Um, and they can use biblical terminology to argue for their guy to be the leader of the world. That's the kind of thing that's going to be showing up at the end times where the, this one world government will be viewed as fulfilling God's purposes. Um, the next item to look at is number five. Uh, French President Emmanuel Macron called for world government in a speech on Friday. And let me quote, he, we need a single world order, Macron told the audience. Are you on the U.S. side or the China side, he asked. Because now, progressively, a lot of people would like to see that there are two orders in this world. This is a huge mistake, even for both the U.S. and China. And so we, the problem is we've got all these world powers. And no wonder we have so many problems of this 
you know, you're on China's side, you're on the United States side, maybe you're on Russia's side. We need a one world government. You can see where for many people that would make sense. Yeah, we, that's what we need is we need, a, we need to stop the squabbling. We not, you need unification. And so there is a picture of him uh, making uh, the point. I won't, I won't let you listen to it. Uh, the next slide uh, further expresses some of these ideas. Um, this is Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. He said, the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. Um, so again, crisis, opportunity to, to reset our world. Um, here's an article introducing the Great Reset. World leaders rad have a radical plan to transform the economy. Let's look at the next slide. Uh, this is uh, now King Charles. We have a golden opportunity to see something good from this crisis. Its unprecedented shockwaves may well make people more receptive to big visions of change, said Prince Charles at the meeting, adding later, it's an opportunity we have never had before and may never have again. And this is back in 2020, but again, a crisis is an opportunity to, um, well, like we saw that in our country where, where states, local and, and federal, were saying this is an emergency and so we can set aside some of our rules and set up new patterns of governance. Here's a, another slide, uh, push to reset the world. <laughs> um, so here's this idea of resetting uh, the world order and being promoted by the next slide, the, the World Economic Forum. And, and you can't really see these. I don't know if I'm going to be able to highlight these or not. I can barely see them. But some of the things that are on this, uh, the, part of the reset they have in mind is global governance. Um, blockchain or economics, digital identity, and frankly, there's a lot here that I probably wouldn't even recognize the significance. But LGBTI inclusion. So, so this is part of this. Let's. Let, these are what we need for a reset. You know, we're going to use this crisis to say we need to reset things. Global governments. Uh, Digital identity, confusion in, the, in gender and moral issues. That's what we're saying our, country, our world needs. So, um, what's, but here's my point. When we look at some of these things, would the world ever agree to a one world government? The Bible says when the Antichrist comes along, he's going to, take, he's going to rule the world. Could they believe that? Well, now we see in various world leaders saying, that's what we need. Whether it be the French uh, Macron or King Charles and others, this is a chance to reorganize. We need world governments governance to solve world problems. 
And our problem with this last crisis was um, because we were so disorganized and there was so much conflict between nations, we need a singular authority. And so when this one person comes along and, and he has the ability to, um, to bring peace in the Middle East um, then, and, and fills the vacuum after the collapse of the Russian Confederacy, um, you can see why they might say, well, that's what we need, is we need a one-world government. Well, the next thing in our discussion is the one-world economy. But um, it's, it's getting time for a uh, one-family meal here. So uh, I think it's a good time to break. We'll come back, and have, after a meal, we'll pick up there and talk some more about some of the other items that are on the agenda. And frankly, a lot of them don't have as much information as we've already discussed. But you get the idea of... So my point is these things point to patterns that are growing in our culture, in our world, that are more and more like what, you know, a show of readiness for this one world uh, ruler who's going to arrive. With that, maybe we should have our next hymn. Let's, let's sing and then we'll close.